Nick Saban has done it. Now has seven national titles, breaking a tie with Bear Bryant and Alabama put on an all-time show by beating Ohio State 52 to 24. Um, as as dominant as LSU was last year, as, as clear cut as that champion was, I mean Alabama was pretty much the exact same way this year. Um, just and capped off by a remarkable performance against a good Ohio State team. Yeah, nothing else needs to be said outside of that. I mean, look when you you are at the point where you can score 42 points in the first half of the national title game, things are obviously going well. Your offense is doing the things it needs to. When you're a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver, who should be the key defensively for your opponent, puts up a playoff slash BCS record in the title game for receptions and yards in the first half, things are really going well. I mean, it was a dominant performance. It was... Alabama's been doing this all year long. This should not have been a surprise for Ohio State, yet it seemed like it was the entire time. When you can get matchups of Ohio State's slowest linebacker on your fastest player, I mean, that's gravy. That is absolute gravy. So credit to, really, Steve Sarkeesian. Like, what a send-off for him. Texas fans have to be fired up. Are they back? We're going we're gonna to find out. But just seeing the versatility on offense, the ability to like, like you had mentioned to me over text, like the ability to get the ball in your playmaker's hands when presumably he should be the key for the opposing defense so easily. And that is exactly what Sark was able to do with this Alabama offense. The the underappreciated part is how well the Alabama defense stepped up. Yes. Justin Fields wasn't his best specifically end of the first half, when the game got away from Ohio state, but they made plays. They, they stopped the run pretty darn well does help Trey Sermon got hurt, but master Teague, he had two, two rushing touchdowns pretty early on in that game. And they pretty much bottled them up after that. Yeah. And it's just a remarkable offensive performance for Alabama, considering again, after the first quarter, it was only seven, seven. And then as you mentioned, within striking distance of scoring 42 points in the first half. Um, I mean, Devontae Smith playing a half, essentially, and just anyone in the country would be thrilled to have that as old as that line. That's what he did. It was was mind-boggling a little bit watching Alabama with the ball and Ohio State defensively. Um, So, you know, all the credit in the world to Sark for figuring out a way to get the ball to Devontae Smith when everyone knows where it's going. But it didn't really seem like Ohio State was aware for large stretches of the game that, hey, you know, this guy just won the Heisman as a wide receiver. He's probably pretty damn good. We should put a little extra attention on him. And from a betting perspective, that was kind of what I was, was thinking with uh, with a lot of the props. I was uh, I, I was kind of thinking that Ohio State would spend so much time, so much energy right. – trying to take away Devontae Smith that, you know, Mechie would have a big game. Uh, I mean, Najee Harris out of the backfield receiving would have a bigger game. Um, but it it really didn't seem like Ohio State put forth much uh, much effort at all in, uh, in taking away Devontae Smith. I mean, he just repeatedly ate Sean Wade's lunch. 
they were giving him all kinds of space, um, which I, I just, for the life of me, cannot and, and will not understand. But um, just uh, in, in all time trophy winners in the past, um, you know, get the trophy before this game and then come out and uh, defense is keying in on them. Mm-hmm. Bag of sorts, um, you know, thinking of guys like Jason White, Eric Crouch, but I mean, Devontae Smith, more than lived up to uh, to his billing as a, a Heisman winner in this game. He did, and it, it's, it seems like it was so, like you said, it seemed like such an obvious thing to do of like, hey, there's a Heisman Trophy winner who's going to be a very high pick in the NFL draft. Why don't we make anyone else on this team beat us? Granted, when you say that about Alabama, it's very different than saying it about a lot of other teams because they have so much talent and like, are able to lose a guy like Jalen Waddle through the year and have him basically play on one leg for a couple plays in this game. So also not to go under the radar too much, Mac Jones, 464 yards, five touchdowns, nine incompletions. Like he looked good, did nothing but help himself in this ball game. Um, And I tell you what, I don't think the broadcasting crew could love him any more than they did. They were all about Mac Jones. I mean, well-deserved in this game. He he played out of his mind. I mean, every bit as good as Joe Burrow was last year. And, I, I mean, it's 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 just crazy how, how talented Alabama is. And I, I understand, like, if you take away Devontae Smith, there are a lot of other weapons on that offense. But at least, like, yeah, you know, give some extra attention to that side of the field, you would think, um, and not in such a way and, and get – crossed up and end up with tough Borlands, um, you know, just running, running downfield 15 yards behind him, looking like Danny Trevath and Chase and Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, which was awesome. But it's, uh, I mean, credit, credit to Alabama, credit to Nick Saban for really reinventing himself. Um, it's, we are, we're not that far removed from the 21, nothing national championship um, that we, we love to talk about so much. Um, the rematch in LSU and the regular season that game was was even worse, nine to six. So, right um, coming over the years to to this offense that we have now, you know we've had some some very fun Alabama offenses. All of the talent that has come through, kind of the progression from every Alabama quarterback is the same game manager to what we've had the last several years. You know, some fun Lane Kiffin offenses, Tua, Jalen Hurts, now Mac Jones. So much talent at the wide receiver position that you can lose a guy as good as Jalen Waddell and really not miss a beat. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's really too many offenses in America that could have said that, but Alabama just kept on rolling. And you said it, this is, this is nothing new. They were doing this all year. Um, you know, SEC typically known for its powerhouse defenses, but even that's changed. You know, you, you look at, the, the top of the league this year, Alabama is a little bit more balanced and you understand that because they're the best team in America, but mm-hmm. the other challengers were, uh, were offense heavy. Certainly Florida was. Um, and that's, that's just where college football is um, now. And I, for one, love it. Can't get enough. Yeah. This, when it looked like we were going to be trading punches the entire first half, that, that was as exciting as you can get in a national title game. It, you know, you seriously thought it could be like 42, 35 at the half. 
And Alabama tried their damnedest to get there, but Ohio State was not keeping up. Um, I don't know. I thought some questionable decision-making from Ryan Day as well. I don't quite understand some of his – you know, your, your defense has shown basically no – opportunity like no ability to stop the Alabama offense aside from like a fluke fumble by Mac Jones which was the first of his entire career not that that's saying a ton because this is his first year starting but still he went through a 13 game season only one fumble um like you've got to take chances you are the underdog here for a reason you've got an explosive offense you've got a quarterback that can make any throw like you've got to go for it and they just did not yeah, and Alabama was much more effective in taking away some of Ohio State's weapons. Talk about the injuries, obviously, for Sermon and, and Fields. That doesn't help. But, I mean, the, like, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were, were really not factors for large portions of this game. Um, whenever Ohio State was able to move the ball, kind of the same thing as, as against Northwestern. They had to do it on the ground. Um, Alabama was making sure that they were not going to – be beaten in the, the vertical passing game, basically what they love to do to opponents so much. Um, so it's, it, it obviously offense was, was kind of getting the headlines, but Alabama really did what they had to do defensively and, and kind of getting Ohio state to blink first, be the first one to kick the field goal, because you, you knew that that was kind of the, the initial sign of, you know, this, this game's getting away from us a little bit because Alabama is just going to keep scoring touchdowns with this offense. 100%, 100%. And uh, that's just how it works, you know. Poor poor uh, Ohio State fans in our mentions on uh, the graphic of our national title game picks. I appreciate your input, but you are wrong. And uh, they're, they're passionate. The nine of, nine of the ten of us will take the win. So thank you. Needed that desperately. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it was a, uh, it was as wire to wire as we've seen in the uh, college football playoff era in terms of initial CFP rankings. Alabama was one, stayed that way throughout. Um, I mean, interestingly, like they, they flew under the radar a little bit because um, the, the preseason discussion was all about. Ohio State versus Clemson, Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence, and then Alabama was like, don't forget about us. We're like here. We, yeah. We knew we knew they had good players. We knew um, we knew Mac Jones could be good um, in, in some of his limited duty last year. I, I don't know that anyone really thought that he would be this good um, no way. this year. And I, I, I think if you're if you're saying that, you're lying to yourself. Um, but or a relative it, of Max. Yeah. <laughs> That, that too. Um, but truly, truly a historic offense. Um, again, we've had two amazing ones back to back LSU last year, Alabama this year. Um, and it's, it, it, it would have helped if Ohio State had their defense from a year ago, certainly with, uh, with Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. Yeah. Um, because they were, uh, they were definitely overmatched in this one. But, so what happens with uh, with anyone going up against Alabama this year, I guess. Yeah, and uh, just just to get the final bow on the season for Mac Jones, 311 completions on 402 attempts. That's a 77.4% completion percentage, exactly 4,500 yards, 
an average of 11.2 yards per completion, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. Jeez. Not bad. Yeah, that, that's that's crazy accuracy, especially when you consider that it's a lot of vertical passing. Like, it would right. be one thing if you were – like, it, it is part of their offense and, and one of the uh, Devontae's – a good design uh, behind the line of scrimmage, but that's not their offense built on. He's extremely accurate and tough throws down the field. So um, this was, again, as, as big a performance as it was for Devontae Smith, just the same for Mac Jones um, and Najee Harris kind of forgotten about behind those, but he, he had as dominant a performance um, his own right, both as a runner and a receiver. Um, so it's, it's just, Saban is uh, the the greatest of all time. I would say at the uh, the college level. Um, yep. Certainly, as a as I said, reinvents himself over his career, and now he stands alone with uh, with seven championships. So I'm I'm sure the celebration is is now over as we we record yep. this Tuesday onto uh, onto the 2021 season. Um, but got to recruit. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's hey, every, everybody else in the SEC is so you don't you don't want to fall behind. Um, got a got a new new coach over at your rival in Auburn that's uh, that's gunning for you. So you gotta you gotta stay just as hungry, and I'm I'm sure that won't be a problem for uh, Coach Saban. I'd say even more important though, on a on a serious note, more important than the recruiting is figuring out who the hell his new offensive coordinator is going to be. That's probably the most important hire in all of college football at this point. Most impactful, I guess I'll say. Some uh, some Bill O'Brien rumblings. Wait, uh, I mean, it's the rehab facility has proven itself. Like it, yeah. Saban's daycare has worked. Plain and simple. I mean, even Butch Jones got a head coaching job. Yeah, that I mean, he. But Butch, Butch Jones would never be given the uh, the keys to the car. He was he was just an intern the whole time, right? Officially, uh, I think so. Did he ever move up in the world? I don't. Let's see if it says he was assistant to the head coach. <laughs> that was his title this year. That's yeah. That is that is so Dwight. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, good for good for Butch Jones, but I'd say uh, obviously a wrap on the college football season. Very excited for uh, for next year, obviously. Um, and yeah, I mean it, the real it, Indiana Rose Bowl campaign kicks off. What's that? I said the real Indiana Rose Bowl campaign kicks off next year. Yes, now that it's not a a semifinal next year, we can we can begin in earnest. Starting, I mean, two two of the uh, first three games are going to be against top fifteen teams, likely um, in Iowa and Cincinnati. So coming in hot, heck of a schedule. Uh, my sanity will be tested weekly, but we're uh, we're excited. Game Always. day in Bloomington? Question mark. I mean, it's. You you gotta you gotta thank for Indiana Cincinnati and of course I've spent zero time looking at the national schedule so I have no idea what else is that week but I don't care let's make it happen folks I will I will go back to Bloomington if game day happens and hopefully we will we will live show from Bloomington hopefully Rona is no longer a thing by the fall yeah otherwise 
Well, best not to think about it. But yeah, that's uh, it's coming up in, next year. Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State will all be good again. So we could just end up in a similar situation. But that is uh, that is it for college football this year. Made it through the season um, despite several hiccups with, of course, the pandemic and cancellations and postponements and I mean figuring out games at the last second driving across the country um, hopefully there is some impact on scheduling in future years but I, I I don't think that'll happen but gotta gotta keep locking up those games 20 and 21 years in advance it's very important for the four and five year olds of modern day to understand who they're going to be playing in 14 years when they get of age. Yeah, they use that in your uh, first recruiting pitch to, to an eighth grader. And yep. By your junior year, you know, we've got, we've got games lined up against Texas and Bama. So. I don't know if they'll be good, but they'll be <laughs> Texas and Alabama. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Um, maybe Texas will be back by then. Give, give Sark 20 years. You'd have to hope. Yeah. They're, they're typically very patient over there. All right, uh, shall we mosey on over to the world of college basketball? Let's do it. So we are, is it January now? So only only a couple months out from March, obviously, and teams are starting to build uh, tournament resumes, getting over the projected minimum 13-game mark to – to qualify for the NCAA tournament, although honestly, I don't think they will take that too seriously. But in any event, um, things things are are still pretty wild, and a couple of conferences specifically, and, and one I'd like to start on is is the ACC, where the two best teams could be Clemson and Virginia Tech, um, which would just be bananas if that ends up being the case. But another team that, it, that is starting to to come together and just beat Virginia Tech, um, Louisville Cardinals, they have an extremely loud loss to Wisconsin um, without arguably their best player, should mention. Um, But other than that, they're perfect on the year. And it's kind of like what we said with Clemson. Um, You know, why not Clemson challenging at the, the top of the ACC? I don't think much was made of uh, about Louisville in the beginning of the season other than you know maybe they're a top half of the ACC team but with the with the traditional powers struggling undefeated in conference so far um, I mean could Chris Mack do it he can I, I actually like Louisville's team I got to see him play early in the season as they played uh, Seton Hall a, a game I will say right now we should have won that's neither here nor there uh, Louisville ended up winning it. Credit to them on that. But that, they, Carly Jones is very good. He's been good for a while, and I think it's just people didn't fully grasp how big an impact he could have at the high major level. He's been a great player, though, for many years. He's shooting over 40% from the field and three, which I think is the biggest thing. Add that along with David Johnson, who we saw last year on and off due to injury, but he was great when he was playing. And there's just talent throughout this lineup and, and they're figuring it out pretty much as they go along. They bounce back, like you said, 
from a, a bad loss, not a bad loss, but a, a tough loss to Wisconsin. And uh, they play solid defense. I like Louisville a lot. I don't know that they're going to win the ACC because Duke and Virginia are still hanging around. Not that I'm as confident in any of those teams. Clemson plays great defense. I still don't, I'm not buying Virginia Tech still. They could change my mind as we're recording this, if they beat Duke a little bit, but I, I would put it between Clemson, Louisville and Duke to win the ACC. I just don't think Virginia's got it this year. I also don't believe in Virginia tech at all. Florida state can still be there, but they are, they're back a little bit with that loss. Virginia tech is just kind of one of those teams where you're, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, and I 100%. I kind of have that same feeling as you do, um, because again, we are in January, you know, the, the, the high point of the season should be over, should get, should get back to normalcy um, over there in Blacksburg, but hasn't happened yet. Um, played Louisville tough, ultimately came up just short in that one. Um, as you said, another big opportunity against Duke. We as a society have to come together and just agree to stop ranking Duke. This is not one of the best 19 teams in America. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like they, they had to barely, barely escape um, to get a win over BC, who is, I mean. Yeah, who is their best win right now? Not, not a good basketball team at all. Uh, that, that is a question. Notre Dame or Wake Forest? Um, yeah. Uh, Bellarmine I mean, could be their best win. Like, th- these yeah. are Coppin State, Bellarmine, Notre Dame, BC, Wake Forest. The last three are winless in conference play and are a combined eight so and 19 overall. So they have one, they have one top 100 win then? I believe so. Just Notre Dame? Yeah. And like, People are trying to uh, do similar acrobatics with uh, Kentucky, too. Like, oh, Kentucky almost beat Notre Dame. That's a good loss. No, it's not. Nope. Not, not this year, it's not. Um, and, and kind of much was made, of course, and rightfully so, about um, Coach K canceling the rest of uh, their non-conference slate, which was one game, um, to then turn around and go play at Notre Dame to open the ACC season. Got to win there, and I think, honestly, that kind of turned the tide a little bit nationally in that, you know, people were, were thinking it was just everything was normal. Duke, Duke is fine. Duke is good. Um, let's continue giving them all kinds of credit in the polls when, I mean, we, we just should not be. Um, I, I do like to see uh, Shire getting some coaching in. Um, the the hometown kid we, we mm-hmm. love to see that but just nothing nothing about duke this year has has inspired confidence like they have they have lost to both good teams they've played um and it hasn't really been overly competitive in either of those games against michigan state or illinois either um and both were home losses as well um who who knows how they would have done in the battle for Atlantis in South Dakota um, had they not dropped out of that. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think that would have 
told us a little more than than them just playing every game at home and really playing playing nobody with with the exception of Champions Classic, Big Ten ACC Challenge, which they're more or less obligated to. Um, so it's, right. I don't know. It's 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 just the the name on the front of the jersey is Duke, so so we're gonna keep ranking them. It's it it is the same same tired argument and refrain that we just got done talking about um, most college football season, but um, it's we're, we're back in familiar territory here. So thrilled about that. Yeah. And I would also, you know, throw in another one of our favorite complaints. It's preseason poll. Duke was ninth preseason. Yeah. Like there, there's no reason for Duke or Kentucky, both teams who were in the top 10 preseason to be ranked at this point. Fortunately, we haven't gotten to the point where Kentucky is ranked or receiving votes. I just wanted to double check that before I said it confidently. Okay, good. And uh, like the fact that only 21, that, that we have a voter that has Duke at number 11 is bananas. It is crazy. Um, Dick Vitale, shocker, has him at 20. Does... I mean that's that's shocking that Tiki V has them lower than where they actually are. Right. You know what? Credit Seth Davis and John Rothstein. Both of them have them unranked. Anyways, uh yeah, I I it's it's too much. It's just too much. That's that's the only way I can put it. It's too much. Well said. Well said. Uh but I it's it, it's just an upside down year for for the ACC. Like North Carolina looks a lot more like last year's team than yeah. you know Roy Williams would have wanted. Um, this is supposed to be a bounce back here. They, they seem to have fallen into some uh, some bad habits once again, and I I, I don't think they'll be uh, they'll be ranked the rest of the year, and, and really don't look to be much of a factor in the the title race there. Um, but you know if you're Going back to Louisville, they uh, they also got the uh, the win over Kentucky, which still counts, even though it is the worst Kentucky team in the last hundred years. Yeah, um, they're, still, they're still counting that. Their the rivalry is back on <laughs> for for Coach Mack. Um, yep, all, all the videos that were made in the off season. So, I mean, good good for them. But uh, yeah, it's. It's uh, it, it's been a, a pretty immediate impact um, from him. Not that not that Louisville is, you know, some some down on their luck program that he had to just bring back to to relevancy out of nowhere. They were just in a period of of transition, obviously, with uh, some some not great things happening, and he's he's gotten them back to this point nationally, basically every year. And I, I think it's especially noteworthy this year where not a lot was expected of them. And, and part of that, as you said, can kind of be attributed to people overlooking um, their best player just because he spent most of his career at Radford. But I mean, Carrick Jones is, is legit and, and so is Louisville. And they're, they're going to be a tough out um, as, as now behind Clemson, the second highest ranked team in the ACC. How about that? Who would have thunk preseason? I don't think anybody. Um, 
Yeah, they they the ACC will be fun until it gets boring and like Virginia ends up turning it on and somehow figuring out how to play offense. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's how the ACC goes. Like this is as open as it's ever been and Virginia is just going to shut it all down. They do often ruin my enjoyment of things, so that uh, that seems appropriate. Uh, but that's uh, hasn't happened yet, and I I keep I keep getting filled with hope that they'll lose every time I watch them play, and then they'll just hang around and and knock off Kent State in overtime or some other garbage like that. Mm-hmm. The brand is strong. Always. Um, and over to. Uh, how are, how are things over in your neck of the woods in the Big East? Uh, I will say it's interesting. That's the best way to put it. Villanova has been off forever, seemingly, with coronavirus issues. Creighton has figured out how to play basketball again. They scored 89 and 97 points this past week. Almost dropped 60 on St. John's in the first half without Marcus Zagorowski. Um, they look good. And that is, that is a terrifying thing. UConn continues to win these tight games. They barely snuck past DePaul on Monday, but a win is a win. I don't know if I'm confident in Seton Hall yet. I would like to see more on the uh, the offensive end of the floor. Xavier looks to be decent. Providence is always a question mark. I feel like we do this every year with Providence and Marquette. They, they should be better than their record shows. Providence loses some games they shouldn't, and then they get hot and like, late January, early February, and all of a sudden are thrust back into like a 10 seed or a nine seed. And you're like, how the hell does this team with all this talent not figure it out? But David Duke is an absolute star. He's going to be the next NBA player out of Providence. And then outside of that, the bottom of the league, like I I still don't know what to make of Marquette, but Butler, St. John's, Georgetown, and DePaul are just not good basketball teams. That's, that's the easiest way to say it. And, uh, I wouldn't say they're free wins, but they certainly aren't good. And and I don't think they can compete with the top two. The the biggest thing I've learned so far in Big East play is there's a three-tier system in the league. Creighton and Villanova at the top. UConn, Seton Hall, Xavier, Providence in the middle. Maybe Marquette. I haven't decided where they fit yet. And then everyone else at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, maybe not free wins, but definitely, like, games you have to win. Yes. You if you have any any aspirations of competing for for a league title or an NCAA tournament berth or, or whatever your your ultimate goal is, but right, yeah, I mean, I I agree with what you're saying on Providence. It seems like whatever they do the first couple months of the season, good or bad, they have to wildly overcorrect the last month or so of yep. the season just to kind of get back to equilibrium. Um, so that never never too high or too low and. DePaul, there. I know they're one and four. Um, they they gave UConn a, a good game, even if it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing. They fought I'm, back. It, they were losing to Seton Hall by twenty one in the second half. They cut it to I think six with a couple minutes left. They had a chance, but like th- this is probably going to your point. So continue. Uh, well, I I doubt it. But <laughs> like if I'm Dave Lado, um, and I I don't know that there's been a uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in terms of major conference teams, nobody has been more affected than DePaul with, with all the correct uh, pauses, right? Yeah. I'm, they I'm, didn't I'm start until like, Christmas week, I think. Yeah. 
they've uh they could they could be like an actually okay basketball team but we'll never really fully know um because they're 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 never going to be able to get into any sort of rhythm mm-hmm. um, like they have a couple good pieces and i know they did last year and and you know they've they've started off seasons stronger before falling back into you know same old same old spot in the biggie standings um, yeah. but it it would have to be especially frustrating this year um you know, and I'm, I'm speaking for him. I don't even know if he feels this way in his heart of hearts, but if you have any sort of optimism about your team, about your program, kind of how you're building um, to, to not really be able to string like multiple games in a row, um, that's, that, that just, that just kills all momentum. And, uh, you know, they, they need all the help they can get. Like they don't need something else working against them. Um, So I'd be, especially frustrated this year um, if I were Coach Leto. That was basically where I was going. Of okay. there, There is a good team – not a good team. There is a team that can compete there. We've seen it. Like Javon Freeman Liberty has been great this season. Romeo Weems is an NBA talent. Uh, they're missing Jalen Butts, who is – it's a huge loss in the interior. But Nick Ongenda, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, has been a revelation. I think that kid's going to be really good. And then obviously Charlie Moore is like the guy. And at least in the Seton Hall game, he picked up two early first half fouls and had to sit. And it's like, this team has been sitting forever. You get finally get him in a game, start to get a little rhythm. And then he's got to sit for 10 minutes because he's got two fouls comes in in the second half and just cannot put it together because he's been sitting for so long. Um, So I, I, I definitely agree with that. My question is, does Dave Leto get the benefit of the doubt? And does DePaul want Dave Leto to get the benefit of the doubt here? Or do they want PV to hire somebody new and just start from scratch? Because they do have a pretty decent recruiting class coming. And I don't know how much of it is Leto versus the opportunity at DePaul. I would have to imagine the relationship is is more important, but I'm not, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, there's, there's a lot of familiarity there, obviously second stint in the program. And I mean, the last time they were good as I do air quotes on an audio only format, uh, yes. he, he was the coach. Um, so I, I think there's, um, some, some trust going back to that. And I mean, there's, I don't know. I, I, I think you could, you could do a lot worse if you're DePaul. Um, and I, I think it, it's still part of the, it seems to be building where we're still waiting to see a full season of on-court results. We got to see it a little bit last year, but like I said, couldn't last the whole season. Um, I, I think he's earned that right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's again, it's, it's DePaul. And it's kind of one of those things like, let's be realistic with where your expectations are at. Um, yeah. It's like, it's slowly but surely building, um, you know, like, you're, you're getting some great recruits now. Um, you, you've had great pieces on the, the last couple of teams. You obviously would, would love to still have Paul Reed, but like you said, going through the roster, like there, there are still guys here who are bona fide um, big-time players within the Big East. It's, it's, not, it's not a Conference USA roster um, or anything like that, but yeah, I don't know. I to DePaul, DePaul is is not, um, you know, going going back to the the Aguirre days anytime soon, and I, I think they understand that. 
that's the hope at least that, that they understand that, that it's going to be a, a slow burn as opposed to like, you know, an actual rocket ship taking off. Um, and whether Dave Leto is the guy or somebody else, I don't, I don't quite know, but that, I mean, that is for a new athletic director, this is maybe as hard a situation as you can come into in terms of having to make a decision and it falls squarely on you. Actually playing games in Chicago is a good start though. Yes. Right. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Legitimate. So yeah. There's that. I think that uh, probably covers our quota of DePaul talk for the season. <laughs> Most definitely, unless they beat Villanova. Yeah. Again, well, they beat well, them what last year or two years ago? You know, should should know that that should be top of mind at all times. Yes, <laughs> that should be ready, readily available information. Um, but in, in terms of. Uh, Recently, are any any other winners you wanted to call out? Yes. Um, I'm going to call out Iowa, big week, beat Maryland and Minnesota. Offense looks good. I think the defense has looked improved, which is saying something when it comes to Iowa. It's just going to be hard to outscore this team, plain and simple. And the offense is so hard to guard. Luka Garza has been outstanding. Um good for him that he's finally going to win that national player of the year award that he's wanted so badly. And that, uh, OB Toppin won last year, but you know, they look good. I, uh, I was really impressed. I, I don't know what to make of Minnesota. I think that's a, that's another question mark, but Maryland just beat Illinois. Uh, they are clearly a at least competitive team. Um, but that, that is as much as I can say about the Terps. Like, I think that's more of an indictment on Illinois just playing bad basketball than it is about Maryland being good or decent. Yeah. But yes. Maryland is, is a confounding team because they have road wins at Illinois and Wisconsin, and those yeah. are all two Big Ten wins. It, it makes right. absolutely no sense. And it's Maryland is everything that we were afraid of coming into the season or just looking at the rosters constructed last year and kind of looking to the future. Mm-hmm. You you lose the two guys who made that team go and Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan. Now it's just all of the role players. There, there's not really a go-to guy. Um, I mean, one of the ugliest basketball games I've ever seen in my life is when they played Indiana because just neither team um, could figure it out offensively except for Trace Jackson Davis, um, which is just an evergreen statement talking about um, Indiana this year, but and you know what? They're Ken Palm 17th in offensive efficiency. I know it's crazy. Which is bananas. <laughs> looking at that too. Uh, but they, they, they are, they, they play extremely slow though. So it's like, it, it, it's like how Virginia is, is highly rated in offensive efficiency every year. So right. It, it's, it's not fun to watch. Um, Minnesota is kind of one of the teams I, I had in the preview, the loser section, is they are, mm-hmm. we, we kind of talked about, it, like they they found their high watermark um, early right. in the season, coming back down to earth a little bit, not competitive at all against Michigan, and then Iowa handling them in the rematch uh, fairly easily. But yeah, it's uh, the, the the Big Ten is still, is still very wide open. And, and back to your point on Iowa, as long as it's it's such a low bar for them defensively, as long as they're like top hundred in the country, like they're, they're I was gonna say competent, yeah, 
Yeah, they're they're like a demonstrably a demonstrably better team because most of the McCaffrey era, without fail, you'll you'll probably find them, um, you know, somewhere in the the one twenty one thirty range, um, you know, and and the offense is is top ten, top fifteen, pretty much every year, and that's that's why the the ceilings are, you know, not as high as they could be, but. Right now, I think they're they're actually inside the top seventy-five defensively, um, and it's it it makes it each different. You just have to have a little bit of buy-in on that side of the ball, and I, I think hopefully after years and years of everyone around basketball kind of pointing that out, it's right. uh, it, it's it's being taken to heart a little bit. But at the same time, we have this episode every year where Iowa strings a couple. Yep. Good defensive games together, like oh, France coaching defense this year. So let's let's wait for for a bigger sample size. But I mean, right now they are looking like the Iowa team that people thought they could be um, once everybody decided to to come back for this season. Right. And again, I I take the results that we've seen moderately because of the opponents like Maryland has been one of the most confusing teams in uh, throughout Mark Turgeon's tenure specifically on the offensive side of the ball especially now on a team that doesn't really have a bona fide number one scorer like they do or like they have in the past I mean Ayala's good I don't know that I'd consider him the number one guy Dante Scott's pretty good too Again, neither guy is like, go to, we need him to get the ball or we need him to get 20 shots a game like Anthony Callender, Stick Smith. But, and then Minnesota is a good team, but how good are they is the question. And so, like, take the results as you will. Uh, I will need to wait a little longer, but in a vacuum this week, it was an impressive week for Iowa. For sure, for sure. And yeah, like, Maryland, they've they've got a lot of good guys who would be good role players, but just not as as, as kind of currently constructed, not really working out, um, and, and certainly won't over the course of the season. Like that game against Iowa did not look fair at all. Like that right. was they were Iowa was just toying with them, mm-hmm. um, and I that'll that'll happen, um, you know, time to time throughout the league um, schedule. There will be games we said where Iowa just can't miss, and actually, like Luca Garza will just be throwing the ball against the backboard, um, just toying with opposing defenses as he did against Maryland. But it's gotta get those rebounds. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Gotta gotta pad the old stats. But I, I think with with Iowa, the thing that stands out and is of course the Gonzaga game, and I almost want to give them a pass for that just because Gonzaga has made everyone they've played look like that this year. Like yeah. Kansas is a good defensive team and they Gonzaga got throttled in regulation. So yeah. like it's it's not like Iowa did not play well in that game defensively. Certainly not. Um but it you know Gonzaga made them pay for basically every mistake. Um Definitely. So, I mean, how they do defensively in Big Ten play, I think, will ultimately be more telling. So, there would be a little more differentiation there. But um, that that is, as we say every week, that's what it's going to come down to. Like, the, the offense will be there. They have 
more than enough weapons um, around Luka Garza, but it's do they actually want to defend? Yeah, so. it's it's always it's a great question. Do we'll they see. want to do it? Um, I had Creighton as another big winner of mine, which I already talked about earlier. Um, and then I have two shout outs. The Citadel is 8-0. Shout out undefeated teams. They, after being off since, uh, excuse me, December 22nd, come out and beat Chattanooga, who is over 100 spots better than them in Ken Palm. So shout out the Bulldogs of the Citadel at 8-0. And then we talked about this team in the offseason. And then again, when... Um, Greg Marshall was dismissed, but Wichita State is seven and three right now after a, a mass exodus, to say the least, of their roster. They've got wins at Tulsa, at South Florida, and at Ole Miss. Not necessarily the greatest things, but if you had told you know Wichita State fan preseason first ten games, you're going to get three road wins against those teams, be three and one in the AAC, and. Uh, go seven and three, I think you take it and play, you know, within single digits against Houston. So unbelievable job over there for Wichita state, everyone involved, just like a huge credit to the people that are there and that stuck with it. And we're able to so far make this season a success. Yeah. I think it's impressive considering the circumstances and also kind of in the, in this hypothetical preseason conversation, most years you would, certainly take a win over Cincinnati. Um, yeah. This year, as we've seen, Cincinnati kind of sucks, but, um, you know, the, the name is the name, so we can just choose to focus on that like Louisville when they beat Kentucky or, mm-hmm. you know, probably their only time in the next decade. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's Houston and it's uh, everybody else, as, right. as we kind of expected. Um, obviously – Tulsa got them. Um, the fighting Frank Hayes looked good. Yeah. I mean, they, they might be the second best team in the league yeah. um, after, after Houston, but there, there's obviously a sizable gap. Um, some, some teams we've talked about kind of in that group, like Memphis, Wichita State is right in that group too. Um, and that's, again, considering how this offseason went, everything that is happening, all the distractions – um, and, and the fact that even if Greg Marshall is there, I don't think a ton was really expected of this team anyway. Right. Uh, so I, I think taking all of that into consideration, they are, uh, they're doing extremely well. Absolutely. It's a, a nice turnaround for them. That, that was all the winners I had. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Minnesota was my first loser. And then, um, Let's, uh, we, we've been nice to Rutger this year. I so. was going to say, it's time. It's time. They are Rutger is, is addicted to giving up massive runs to Ohio State. Yes. They, they can't do enough of it. I personally love it. Um, it's awesome. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the fan base is very funny because they talk about how good they are and how great this team is. And it's fun because this is like their first season in, I don't know, decades that they've had expectations and they are just floundering. Like, sure, it it hurts that the Big Ten is very good. But when you are not competitive against Michigan State, who isn't, might not be as good as we think they are and is really struggling at this point. And then 
get the doors blown off you twice by a decent Ohio State team, like that's trouble. That is trouble for a team that is expected to be second weekend or better, compete for a Big Ten title, um, and, and all you know all the preseason expectations that went with it. Then you go to the post-game press conferences and hear Steve Peichel say things like, I don't know, our body language, our attitudes are bad. Uh, you know, we just need to get healthy. If we could get healthy, we'd be winning games. Like, I don't think Cliff Amarui coming through erases a 23-point deficit against Michigan State. I think he's a factor. I certainly think it matters. If Geo Baker is not 100%, I think that matters. But it's still, you play the games with the guys that are on the floor. All these good teams suffer injuries and everyone fights through it. It's the excuse train is out. They're like one of the worst free throw shooting teams in America. And it is hilarious to see. And then they just lapse defensively for five minutes, every single game and teams take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, th- this is my biggest boomer take, but free throw shooting is such a lot start. It's, it is it's real. Like I it's it's unreal. I, I feel like every single power six game, at least one of the teams is shooting worse than 50% in that game. Yeah. And it's infuriating. So, so much you're leaving out there. But yeah, like on the one hand, I can understand that injuries have been a struggle. Jacob Young missed some time as well. But these were teams that we were just talking about um, last week, the week before, as kind of, you know, metaphorically limping on their own, like Michigan has really been struggling. Ohio state um, had been struggling. And apparently the thing to do is right now is, is play Rutger and we'll go away. And yeah, it's, it's obviously a mental problem when you are unable to really do anything to stem the tide. Um, once teams get rolling against you, um, the, the first game against Ohio state, they, they gave up, the major run in the last, you know, seven or eight minutes of the basketball game. Um, they, they were up by double digits. Ohio State won by double digits. Yep. And a little earlier in this game, but late in the first half, Ohio State just starts taking it to them. And you have to, you have to be able to, you know, have a, a short memory of sorts and, and just stay calm enough to respond. And yeah not not allow a a run to balloon as it seems to every time that ohio state plays rucker now it's Um, it's one of those things too for like a a team that prides themselves on toughness at least physically they are so mentally weak yeah and that's you are you are not in the correct conference if if that is the dna of your basketball team because there there is not going to be an easy game in in the Big Ten this year. Like, yeah, everyone is going to challenge you in some way. Um, you know, some teams are better than others, but you're you're not going to you're not going to get a free pass really. Um, depending on depending on what Nebraska team you face, that's really the only possibility this year. But right, like ev- everybody is is going to you know, be giving everyone their best shot. And, and the other thing for Rutger is that they have to deal with this year is, you know, they've been a top 15 team. They've been getting a lot of national attention. Teams now get up for playing Rutger. It's, yeah. it's not just like a, a game you can kind of uh, put off to the, the side of your mind. Maybe, maybe not 
get as mentally locked in as you would normally. Um, when, you know, the years where Rutger struggled to win a game or two in conference, yeah, now every team is, is gunning for you. And they're, they're finding that out. It is so much more enjoyable at times to be a team or to root for a team without expectation. So yeah. when you actually have some success, then it's fun. You're, you're playing with house money. Right. Now you're burdened by expectations a little bit. It's a new experience um, for the players, new experience for the program, the fan base. This is, this is what it's like. It's, it's, not, it's not always rainbows and sunshine when you know, your team is expected to be good. That's when the losses you know, start to almost get a little more frustrating. And that's, that's kind of the crossroads that they're at right now. Yeah, and I think everyone kind of joked about it preseason because, like, the no fans is going to affect Rutgers the most because, like it or not, the rack was a home court advantage. It's the Cameron Indoor of New Jersey, as many people have said. Many people are calling it that. Um, many delusional people are calling it that. So, so um, my point was that it was it was half a joke because – like, yeah, not having a home court advantage like that always hurts. Is it, is it that big? Apparently, yes, because this is still objectively like a top 20 team on paper. When you look at this roster, this team should not finish outside of the top 20. They should be uh, a second weekend team with ease. That said, they are not playing anywhere near it at this point. If they can, you know, maybe they do need to get healthy. Obviously, injuries hurt, but is it going to change that much of their style? It shouldn't. I mean, they've still got guys, they've still got players that should be able to take over and step up in the absence of others. Yeah. And it, I mean, we're, we're not anywhere near panic button time or anything either is the end of the day, they are Rutgers only a half game out of the top five in the conference. Like that, that's just right. how long it is after uh, the top four of, you know, the expected Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, and then undefeated Michigan. But like not to mention they're wasting a, an unreal seat. Well, I wouldn't say wasting, but they're Ron Harper jr. Is having an outstanding season. Yeah. Like Jacob young is having an outstanding season. Montez Mathis is having an outstanding season. And it's like, where's the help? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a on paper, a damn good team. They're shooting 58% as a team from the line. Jesus. I see. I, I want to make fun of that, but Indiana honestly might be even worse. I'm, I'm going to want to light myself on fire when Indiana plays Rutger this year. I don't have to worry about that because Seton Hall decided to put time behind free throw shooting. They want, they were perfect one game. That's how good it was. Smart. That's like, that. that's how it should be. You should just not even, not they said, even, not even be a, a point of concern in your mind watching it as a fan. And well, that, the funny thing is it was always an Achilles heel for Seton Hall teams. Like historically the past five or so years, uh, I guess before Miles Powell really stepped up onto the scene because he can hit free throws, but it was always a problem. And then this year it was a problem early on and guys just decided like, Hey, we're all going to stay together after for 30 minutes, 30 minutes after practice and shoot free throws. Like it's not that hard. no, you you can literally you need no one else. Like it is it is one of one of the easiest things to practice. Indiana is shooting sixty seven point eight percent from the line. All right, that's definitely 
improved recently. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's been a struggle. But yeah, like that's... Jerome Hunter, 25%. <laughs> Jerome Hunter is a talented player who just... To be fair, he's one of four. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I figured it was a small sample set. But just in general, he is... Uh, he, he has not once turned his brain on when playing a game of basketball, um, but he's like still very good. One of their better shooters. Um, and uh, I think it was against Maryland. He took a three with like a minute left when Maryland was trying to foul and Indiana was trying to run clock and he drained it, but you could see like Archie on the sideline, like, yeah, no, <laughs> immediately took him out of the game. And you I got think, to. Yeah. I don't think he even realized what it was about. Like they, they were, they were just the, the cameras were just on him on the the sideline like shoot or shoot high fiving all of his his teammates. But no, like free throw shooting is an Archie specific problem. You never had this this problem when uh, CTC was in town with the shot doctor Tim Buckley. But you won't hear that from me. So uh, Rutgers is three hundred thirty third nationally in uh, free throw shooting. They've taken two hundred twelve attempts as well. The worst in the country, they're at 58%. The worst in the country is Maine at 52.5%. It's brutal. Um, Colorado's number one at 85.6. Rutger is a much, much better basketball team than Maine. And the, yes. the other part of the problem is, too, like you're playing in the Big Ten, it's a physical league. You want to be getting yeah. to the like Absolutely. More than, more than your opponent. But when you can't shoot, it's like it's tough. What are we doing here? Right. Like, this goes against our team's identity as, as being tough, you know, taking fouls and, and getting points out of them. But right. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's literally stay after practice for 30 minutes. And that's that's the magic formula. Apparently, yep. it, it doesn't uh, take much. It will improve. I can't guarantee it'll get you up to like 75 percent as a team, but it's going to get better. It can't get worse. Yeah. You, you want at least like teams to not want to follow you right that's that's that seems like a reasonable reasonable goal to set for yourself 100 percent uh any any other loser that was i, I think that was, that was therapeutic for us we felt so that. i feel like a new man like <laughs> a weight off my chest we needed it um uh, i was gonna say west virginia they have texas beat and miss a pair of free throws and then Andrew Jones awesome story there three years ago diagnosed with leukemia on the same weekend he hits a game-winning three for Texas um very cool but like West Virginia should have won this game they had the ball with I I want to say a minute 20 left um missed a couple shots grabbed two or three offensive rebounds instead of kicking it out to the guards get fouled miss both free throws and then Texas comes down and hits a three to win it. Um, that's tough. And then you add in losing your best player to transfer. Um, just not a great week for Huggy Bear. Yeah, of course, Shibwe picks Coach Cal in Kentucky. Um, so that's wonderful. And just yep. a, a bizarre week for West Virginia because that game was the opposite of, of what they just did to come back and beat Oklahoma State earlier in the week. Like, I would probably prefer that you get the uh, collapse out of the way and then have the comeback rather than yes. vice versa. But uh, that's just me. Um, but yeah, that's like 
we we've been singing Texas's praises all season to to have such a great shot at scoring a win over them and and just completely shooting yourself in the foot is uh it's far from ideal I would say yeah I want to say it was Emmett Matthews who got the late rebound and he is I'm trying to find it he is an 84% free throw shooter on the season and it was his only two misses he was two of four from the line and he missed them both down the stretch so like the stars align for things to go so poorly for West Virginia to lose that game. You almost just have to be in complete disbelief if you're Bob Huggins. I would be. I'm I'm glad I have no emotional ties whatsoever to the program. Um, Cause that would have, that would have been a tough watch for sure. Yeah. Um, But that's the, the big 12 is insane this year. Like it is. That's that's the other thing that that makes it doubly painful because you're just the high quality wins in that league are are gold, and to not be able to finish that is just so so killer. um, For you said a team that kind of was already struggling. Like you you just you lost Oklahoma. You needed to mount a furious comeback to beat Oklahoma State. Like Texas is significantly better than either of those teams so you get that opportunity you got to finish the job but i guess not 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 this time um and then the last team i had was missouri i have been skeptical of missouri for a little while they go out and lose by double digits to mississippi state who i don't think is very good Simple as that. They give up 51 points in the second half, blowing a 12-point lead at the, at the break. Um, so yeah, I uh, I'm not overly impressed with Missouri. Like they they beat Illinois in a rivalry game, but Illinois dropped a few that they shouldn't have, and then got the doors blown off them by Tennessee. Yeah, Mississippi State is not good. Um, like the as you've said, like the the bottom part of the SEC is just not good at all. Um, there, there are a lot of teams in there that you really just don't want to, to ever lose to. Um, yeah, Auburn getting a little bit of a boost with uh, with Cooper finally playing, um, so mm-hmm. maybe they'll, they'll climb up out of there. But remains to be seen. But Missouri, they are the SEC's Minnesota. I think it's um, yeah, I, and I, I think Minnesota is a better team. But in terms of trajectory kind of how the season has gone. They seem, uh, they seem pretty darn close. Um, starting off a lot better than expected, suffering uh, just a huge beatdown like Missouri did um, at the hands of Tennessee and, and now losing. Um, I mean, this one is, this is worse than, than any of Minnesota's losses, but yeah, un- not competitive in the second half. You you can't you can't blow a halftime lead that big to um, this Mississippi State team. Like Ben Howland's had a handful of good teams in Starkville. This is not one of them. This is not going to be an NCAA tournament team unless things change dramatically. Um, and this is the kind of loss that NCAA tournament teams don't have, um, which I, I think. Missouri, by virtue of their good start this season, certainly the win over Illinois would be a team that you uh, 
you look at as a tournament team, but the way they're playing right now, they, they certainly don't resemble one at all. And again, there are a lot more opportunities in the SEC this year for bad losses than there are for good wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you know, if, if Missouri just holds serve for a little bit, they could be okay. Um, but you know, like the, you, you have to, you have to avoid Tennessee, um, which they've, they've already gotten blown out. Right. By, but you know, it's like next couple of games are against A&M. It's not good. And South Carolina, who like Frank Martin's a great coach. They're not good this year. Um, so they're, they're going to be playing a lot of bad teams. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like, it's, it's not even like win these. It's like, don't lose them. Right. It's, it's like the bottom of the big East. It's, it's yeah. not gimme games, but they are games you absolutely cannot lose. And I guess to give Mississippi State a little credit, they're not bad offensively. They do run an incredibly slow-tempoed offense like you met, like uh, we talked about earlier with um, Virginia, obviously. And who the hell else do we say? Oh, that's – yeah, that's that's even slower than, uh, than Maryland's. Maryland, there we go. I could not remember who the hell we were talking about. But, yeah, they – they have some scoring ability and the offense isn't terrible, but they are, they're not a good defensive team. No. And again, it's the, the thing is too, like Mississippi state might be like a, a top half of the conference team, but I, I think that says more about the, state the SEC. Of- yeah. Um, it's, it's still not, not anything to get excited about if you were in Missouri. Right. Um, not sure why you would get excited about a loss anyway, but. Just, you know, just in case they were thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> got to gotta nip that in the bud, Quanzo. Uh, um, that's all I had in terms of, in terms of winners and losers. That was, uh, that was all I had as well. Um, before we close, a quick opportunity for you. Um, to let the people know that you have you have evened the the score in in our rivalry. Um, Heat check sim season five. Seton Hall has has gotten off to a historic start. So yes, now it reached as high as what number four in the polls. Number four, um, deserved or not, I don't think it was deserved, but we got there. We have two losses on the season. Both of them are to number two. I'm not going to say who that is, but uh, we are we're in we're in the thick of it in conference play. Third place finish before the season, I would have been ecstatic. Now I will probably be sorely disappointed, and that is exactly where we're headed. So should be fun. Yeah, and I mean it's we we have lost to the uh, the two best teams in the country right now. The top two teams are Wright State, who I lost in the championship game of my MTE, and Rutger, who was not ranked to start the season. Um, Correct. George Mason is also in the top 10 currently. St. Joe's is in the top five. Yep. Um, unfortunately for me, I have lost two other teams besides the number one team. Um, so we are... Uh, we we are on the wrong side of the bubble right now. I will I will call a spade a spade. Um, we could not pull off the victory over uh, 
over Seton Hall. Um, also had a, a, a tough loss to a Kansas team that I should have beaten and others. Um, Georgia Tech will just beat me every year until the end of time. Uh, so I'm only seven and five right now with an SOR of 65. So I should make the SEC tournament, but I don't think I'm going to make it into the NCAA tournament this year. But if no one leaves for the draft, we'll be back in a big way next year. And hopefully we'll be taking the lead in the, uh, the all-time series as well. I'm already dreading next season because I can see like if if my best player goes pro, I'm fucked. Like it's over. I have to I have to replace him, but then I'm gonna have two guys to replace, and I'm not gonna be able to land two guys in the next recruiting cycle. And I've never gotten a transfer, so is, we're in uh, trouble. Is Jay George the only guy that you've had um, leave early for the draft? No. I've had multiple players leave early for the draft. Um, let's see if I can find who else. But yeah, I've had a I've had a couple guys decide that they that they were too good to get a, a college degree. Um, where the hell did he go? I had one more guy I know, but Jay George was a frat. He was one and done. Um, Douglas Fink is my new guy, the power forward from Canada. He is uh, looking like he will be a one and done as well, which is not ideal. It's tough. I, yeah, I, I have not had anyone uh, actually stay in the draft, knock on wood, that that continues. I just need to sign one lousy power forward, which is proving difficult. That's what I need now. Yeah, well, we're at least in different regions, but I just need, I, I might even just mess around and sign like a two-star um, and, and completely tank my team's average just so I have one on the roster for next year because yeah, not like none of my players are good enough to declare for the draft, but I, I know I know someone will display me. I'm, I'm pretty mad about it, but <laughs> Until then, we have uh, your Big East title chase to uh, to keep an eye on. Obviously, by, by the time this comes out, we'll have our, our first round of results from conference play. Um, yeah, exciting times all around. This, uh, this could be this could be a special year for for the Pirates. We'll see. We'll see. I need it. I could use uh, a, a bounce back after last year's nonsense. Possibly could, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe get you into uh, promotion territory. That would be something. And I'm just, just hypothetically. Um, oh, I need to, I need to finish five games above 500 to be over 500 overall in the sim. So, of course, I'm only two games above 500 right now, and the SEC is going to kick my ass. So. Something, something to keep an eye on. <laughs> Storylines to watch, folks. Until next year, we wait. Um, yeah, that is our show. And as you can figure out, we are all basketball for the rest of the year as college football season has ended with Alabama winning the Natty. But we'll be here all season long breaking down, you know, 
DePaul, Rutger, or whoever whoever is on our minds. That Wild week. topic on this show. It was. It ju- just kind of happened. But we will uh, we'll be Shows back our depth. next week, and we will see you then.